Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to our afternoon show here on Faith FM. It's Looking Up with me, Peter Watts, and my good friend and co-host, Danny Milenkov. How are you, Danny? I'm doing swell. Thank you, Peter. Well, it's good to have you back. You know I was away last week, and we might talk about that in a moment, but it is great to be back with you in our program today. We are going to talk about how the coronavirus uh, crisis relates to Bible prophecy, and we want to see whether the Bible has anything to say. We have been looking at a variety of different topics, and today particularly, we're going to be looking at how uh, the financial impact mm. of coronavirus um, it, you know, relates to Bible prophecy, if indeed it does. People want uh, their questions answered, and so we want to do that. And um, yeah, we're going to get into it. How's your week been, Danny? Oh, it's been fantastic. I've been praising the Lord, keeping on. Um, yeah, we've had some great weather where I live, there in Lake Macquarie. And so it's been pretty good. Um, what about you? What was your week like? And, and why weren't you here last week? Well, we'll get into that in a moment. <laughs> I don't want to. Maybe, maybe before we get into that, I just want to tell people how they can contact us. Um, so you may have uh, questions or comments to make about what we're talking about today, or maybe just in relation to uh, the other topics that we've covered here on Looking Up. And uh, you can call in on 1 800 324 843. That's one eight hundred three two four eight four three. You can call in and uh, leave your question or comment there, or you can text, and the text number is o four nine one o six four six six nine. So text your comments and questions to o four nine one. 0646669. So, um, yeah, so you want me to talk about it last week? Yeah. Well, we, I'm going to have to t- tell you that a little <laughs> bit later because we don't have time. What I do want to say is that um, we're going to talk also, we'll, we'll continue to tell you about those two evangelistic series that are still running. One is called The End, and you can find that at theend.digital, and these uh, are evangelistic series that are related to the current times we live in. Um, and you'll find uh, lots of good information there. They're still running. Um, there's another series that we've uh, also promoted here on uh, Faith FM, and that is Hope Awakens with John Bradshaw. If you go to uh, the internet and you punch in uh, Hope Awakens, you'll find John Bradshaw's presentations on YouTube there. And that's another series of meetings that I think that people would value and appreciate. And they'll touch on some of the topics that we've been talking about, Danny. I am going to talk about where I was last week because I didn't go on holiday. But, we're, all, uh, we're all dying to know. We're I'm all sure dying we're to all know. dying to know. But um, what we're going to do is we're going to take a few moments. We're going to have a bit of music from Alison Brook. Uh, and it's called Revelation Song. That's a, a great uh, song title, isn't it? So Revelation Song, Alison Brook. Uh, we'll come back after this.
You're listening to Faith FM. Wasn't that a beautiful song? Um, Alison Brooke and Revelation Song. So I, uh, I thought that was very sweet. Okay, so here we are on Faith FM. We are uh, in our afternoon show looking up, and I'll just uh, briefly talk about what Danny and I have done in a couple of, uh, a couple of weeks ago. We've um, had a look at a, a couple of subjects. We've been talking about the global impact of the coronavirus, how that relates to uh, the Bible, the book of Revelation, and end-time events. Um, we talked about the suddenness of it. We talked about the fact that uh, many news outlets are saying that this is a wake-up call. We looked at pestilence in prophecy, some of the signs of the times, and we looked at some of the health impacts of the coronavirus, obviously. And today we are going to be looking at some of the financial impacts of the coronavirus. But Danny, tell me what you uh, got up to last week, because I was not in the studio. No, you weren't in the studio. That's exactly right. Um, yeah, we're going to find out where you were. You've done a really good job so far in um, in putting putting it off, explaining yourself, trying to divert, <laughs> trying to trying to. Uh... But we're going to get to the bottom of it. We're going to get to the bottom of it. Anyway, I um, mean, yeah, last week uh, we had the privilege of having Leah Hodge here with us, special I know, guest. I know Leah Hodge. Yes, I know you do, and um, she shared her she shared her journey. An incredible journey, and I know of a couple of people, a few people that listened to her uh, uh, sharing her journey last week, so and this, they were really blessed. Praise the Lord! Was this um, was this a journey to the Himalayas, or what kind of journey? No, are we talking it wasn't about? a journey to the Himalayas. It was literally uh, a journey that the Lord pulled her away from death's door. A journey of faith. Yeah, a journey of faith. So, yeah, she shared her story of um, of of faith, uh, hope. And salvation, I guess. Uh, she's entitled her testimony uh, from from rebel to raw to to redeemed. Okay. And uh, yeah, she just went through uh, the different phases of her life from being a, a, a rebel teenager and so forth, growing up in a in a broken home, to seeking to find a way to to, to live life to the optimum and getting into raw food. That's where the raw comes oh, from. Oh, true. And uh, to the point where she contracted uh, a horrible disease called ulcerative colitis. Wow. Uh, she went all the way to Costa Rica in order to follow some health guru there. And anyway, she, she through that found the Lord um, wow. in, the midst of, in the midst of almost, yeah, coming to the end. So that was her story. And you can go to our podcast. I was going to say, if, if somebody was, uh, is tuning in today and they thought, hey, that sounds like an interesting story, I'd like to hear that. Where could they find that, Danny? Well, they could go to our Faith FM website, so Faith FM, and uh, go to the podcast, go to Looking Up, and okay. you can pick up on that, as well as our previous presentations or previous uh, oh, afternoons okay. that we have shared so people can catch up. And then uh, later on, obviously, this program will also find its way there. That's exactly uh, right. So, so people exactly can catch right. up on that. Though it's terrific. All right. So where were you? Where were you okay, last so week? Well, this is it. I, you know, I have a sick note. And uh, I, so here's, it's a very interesting because um, I would say it must have been, I think it was Tuesday, of last week, my wife and I, uh, we sort of uh, were both awake around three in the morning. We really didn't feel too well. I had cold and flu symptoms and Marie wasn't feeling well either. And we both decided, well, we should probably 
get checked out for COVID-19. And I want to say that, you know, we're talking about the coronavirus and how it relates to Bible prophecy. And I just want you to know, we, we go to extensive lengths on this program to do research. And so uh, my wife and I, we went and get tested. And actually, we were going to um, plan to go and uh, get tested on the drive-thru. There's one, a drive-thru one at Belmont. The drive-thru? There heard was. Of, I've, heard of, I've heard of drive-thru. Yeah, a dri- the drive-thru COVID-19 testing area. Oh, who and, would have thought? But you know what, what happened was, because, you know, it was early in the morning and I think we left home, you know, before 8 o'clock or whatever because it was supposed to open at 8 and we go out there and um, we decide, and then we find out on the website as we're watching, you know, my wife's looking it up on the phone. We're going out there and it says, oh, you have to phone and make an appointment <laughs> for the drive through And I'm thinking, that makes no sense. So we phone up and they say, oh, we can get you in at three o'clock in the morning. Well, it's quarter past eight, it's three o'clock in the afternoon, rather. It's quarter past eight in the morning at that point. So we decided then to go up to John Hunter. There was no queue. I mean, like there was a couple of people in front of us, but... Go up to John Hunter. You're you're met there by people in the hazmat suits, you know, um, like those space suits. Yeah, so so it's 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 fairly confronting, and uh, then they put you in the queue, and they send you to stand there, and there's people behind. Did the you screens. have to wear a mask? Uh, I did have a mask on. Marie and I both. Um, that's my wife, by the way. We both had masks on going up there just because we felt that was a good idea. And um, so, yeah, we were in the queue, and then basically, what happens with the testing is. I've got a big... Wait, 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 wait. If what? you have sensitive... If you have a sensitive <laughs> stomach, you probably want well, tune to out now. tune out right now. This is but one of those... Please come back in two minutes. Please come back in two minutes. No, right. so uh, I've got a big pen in my hand here right now, and uh, I would say uh, the... Uh, it's like a, a um, cotton bud that was at least as long as my pen, probably longer. And um, what they do, they stick it down your throat... And you're sort of choking and gagging on that. And and, uh, and she actually did it twice because she wasn't sure if she got enough material, whatever that is. Well, right down your throat. Down, yeah, no, it was really quite uncomfortable. And then they stick it up your nose. And oh, have mercy. When they stick it up the nose, they're, they go quite far. And, and it's, I would say it's unpleasant to say the least. I mean, I, I, I've only spoken to one other person who's had it done. And uh, it was very unpleasant. And I actually, my did nose you cry? was... There were tears. Um, there were, I would say um, my nose was running and I was sneezing all day thereafter because of the procedure Whoa. rather than... That sounds pretty hectic. Yeah. Anyway, look, the long and the short of it, Danny, was that um, you then wait because you have to be in isolation then. Uh, and so that's for, why you weren't able to be here. Correct. So you have mm. to be in isolation until you receive the results. And eventually, mm. you know... They text you the results through and say, and the good news is, folks, I'm negative. So uh, that was important. But um, anyway, we, we had the test. So that was an interesting experience. And that's why I was away last week because they wouldn't let me out. Wow. So there you are. And so you're here now. So I have had a little bit of experience of the isolation, the testing, the nervousness of waiting, all of that jazz. So you can empathize with our listeners because there may be some that are listening that have actually had this experience well yeah they've gone through this testing and and there may even be some uh seriously that have contracted yeah Yeah, COVID 19 for sure absolutely even though we haven't had that many cases here that's right in our part of the world but and let's not forget i mean you know there are those who have uh who may have contracted it and they'll they'll some will get mildly ill some will get seriously ill but most will recover yeah. And then, of course, there are tragic cases of those that don't recover. Yeah, I just heard we've had our youngest 
um, COVID person uh, pass away just yesterday or the youngest today. Youngest victim in yeah, Australia. 30, I think 30 years oh, old. Yeah, really okay. sad. A, a young 30-year-old male. So, yeah. yeah, very sad. So, yeah, so the, you know, the health impacts uh, have been keenly felt. And, uh, you know, we are, we can say for sure that uh, we've been, um, it's been limited in terms of its impact in terms of the health in Australia, thankfully. Mm. You know, certainly um, we're not diminishing in any way the seriousness of those who've lost their lives to this. But what we are saying is when you compare it to many of the other countries in the world, uh, we're not doing too badly in the health front. Yeah, we've been shielded. We have, we have. And so, uh, you know, that's a blessing. So we're looking at the the, the various impacts of the COVID-19 crisis because we've been talking about the fact that the world has changed dramatically in a very short period of time. And uh, I think probably the biggest, some of the biggest lessons out of this COVID-19 crisis is how rapidly the world can change, how uh, significant that change can be in terms of everybody's lifestyle and so forth, uh, and how quickly we are willing to adopt government instructions about you know, how population moves around and where we can be and where we can't be uh, and all of those things. And we're going to look into some of the prophetic implications of that kind of scenario. Of course, nobody's suggesting that we shouldn't follow these instructions because they're, you know, this social distancing and so forth is keeping people safe. However, what it does demonstrate to me is the speed at which the world can change um, and how I think it's easier to see how the prophetic implications of the book of Revelation could be played out after this uh, scenario, you know, once we've seen this scenario than before. What we're going to discuss today, though, is the financial implications of coronavirus. And uh, you got some, uh, your, I can see you opening your Bible there, Danny. Yes, Peter. Um, I think there are some, some important scriptures that specifically speak to our time. Right. Um, you've mentioned the book of Revelation, and certainly we'll go there. But I think we could probably go to the book of James to begin with. Mm-hmm. James chapter 5. And if our listeners have their Bibles, they may want to follow along with us or just uh, listen carefully as, as we read James chapter 5. But Peter, um, this is God's Word. And before we open up God's Word, is that okay? I just want to have a short prayer. I think I'd be very uh, wise. It's important before we open up God's Word just to pray and ask God for His Holy Spirit to, to I guide wanna, us. I, let me give a little rationale as why we mm. do that, Danny, because um, you know the Bible tells us that it was that it was not written on a whim. The Bible was written by people who were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us, and if the Holy Spirit is the ultimate author of Scripture. We certainly need the Holy Spirit to understand Absolutely. it. So that's why we pray. That's and right. And so uh, go right ahead and, and pray for us, Danny. Yes. Father in heaven, we just ask and pray that the Holy Spirit that inspired this book that we're about to read from will inspire and encourage our hearts. So bless our time together this afternoon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. What do you got for us there? All right, James chapter 5. And I'm going to begin by reading from verse 1. Yep. And this is what James writes. He writes, Come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Sounds really ominous. We keep reading. Verse 2. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corrupted. And their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure 
in the last days. So this is a reference to the last days. Yeah. And we know that um, from the days of Jesus, those last days began according to Scripture, according to the book of Hebrews, chapter 1. And uh, those days will accelerate all the way to the coming of Jesus through those labor pains mm -hmm. that we looked at on a previous occasion. It goes on. Indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cried out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You have lived on the earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the just. He does not resist you. Therefore, James concludes, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he, until he receives the early and the latter rain. And then he says, you also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And so the point here of James is, when you see an escalation in the poor becoming poorer and the rich getting richer, as someone put it, the poor getting more children and the rich becoming richer, you know that the coming of Jesus is drawing near. And so we're going to be unpacking uh, a little of, of what's taking place in the world, economically speaking, well before COVID and in particular now, and how that relates to the coming of Jesus, because that's the point here of James, the coming of Jesus. Yeah, thank you for that, Danny, and thank you for reading that passage. I think a couple of things that stand out to me in this passage is the reference there to the last days. Okay, the reference is there to the last days in terms of people heaping up treasure um, and the reference, of course, to the coming of the Lord. Um, and I, I, so it sort of talks about this financial inequality, this uh, financial exploitation almost, you could say, um, of uh, the rich exploiting the poor, the poor, and that that's the kind of environment that it's talking about in uh, in the latter the, the last days. And we want to know, I guess you're going to, um, I think, pick up a headline. Uh, maybe you want to refer to that headline now in in re regard to to that. In regards to the rich and the poor? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. There, there have been some studies done, and one in particular by Oxfam. Oxfam is... Uh, it's a charity, British it's charity. A, it's a British charity that follows the trends of, of the disparity between the rich and the poor. And there was a headline that, that came out from them very recently, and that was that we now have eight individuals on the planet that own as much as 50% of the world's population. Eight. Eight people. Eight own, people. Eight people. Like own, less, than, less than 10. <laughs> less than 10, exactly. Own as much as half the world's population, that which would be insane. about 3.8, 3.9 billion people. That is insane. And so that's exactly what the book of James here is saying. All right. Well, we're going to uh, we're going to press pause that because I have to let that sink in. That is a monumental statistic, and we're going to uh, have some more music now. We're going to look at uh, no, we're not. We're going to listen to Audrey Asad, uh, Asad, sorry, Audrey Asad, and New Every Morning. So uh, let's enjoy this music.
Welcome back. Uh, we are here on the afternoon show looking up with me, Peter Watts, and Danny Melenkov. And uh, Danny, just before we went to that break, you were talking about, you shared an, an incredible stat. I think you were, you were saying that eight people own as much as half the world's population in terms of wealth. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. That was according to an, an Oxfam uh, news item that was back in 2017 so we're 2020 uh, that eight may have been whittled down one or more who knows um, however yeah the point is that a handful of people on the planet own as much as half the world's population that the bottom amazing. half and uh, we connected that with James chapter 5 well you know my mother always told me it's good to share <laughs> well, in James chapter 5 there, uh, without reading the passage again, but there James points out that at the end of time, in particular in the last days, he uses that yes, language of the last days, you're going to have uh, the, a, the, disparity. a disparity and you're going to have the filthy rich... Um, Going, you know, those who are super duper wealthy exploiting those who are very, very poor. And and what we are saying today is that, yes, this is happening in a lot of the world. Now, a lot of people may be thinking, well, I'm I'm not that filthy rich. And you may not be. But before I get to what the reality of our situation here in Australia is, I looked at some statistics of billionaires in the world. And in, in the year 2000, according to Time magazine, this was back in uh, 2010 edition of a December 6 Time magazine, they pointed out that in the year 2000, so that's 20 years ago, in the world we had 306 billionaires. Okay. In the year 2000. 306. 306. Okay. Now, 2020, 20 years later, we have 2,153 billionaires in the world. Well, I just want you to know I'm not one of them. <laughs> You're not one of them. But now let's let's bring it closer to home because you may be thinking, look, I'm certainly not that wealthy. But notice how wealthy we are here in Australia. We are doing really well, comparatively speaking. If you have $3,000 in cash or assets, you are part of the 50% wealthiest people on the planet. So how you, much? $3,000. Oh, right. Okay. $3,000, you're part of the top 50% in the world. Now, if you have $70,000 in cash or assets, you are part of the top 10%. Truly. So that's you, Pete, and that's no, me. No, it couldn't possibly be. <laughs> hey, listen, now I just want to pause here, though, Danny, because I'm going to ask a, a question here. Um, so... Because what we're going to do in this program, as well as we're looking at this passage that we've been looking at in James, where we see this disparity in the last days is predicted between the, the, the very wealthy and the very poor, uh, and we certainly see that in the world. And what we want to also do is look at what does the Bible have to say about money uh, as it relates to the last days. There's more on it in the last days. We're going to talk about that as well. But also, what is our relation to money in general? And... Another question I wanted to add in here while we're talking about all this is, is, is God opposed to wealthy people? Mm, absolutely not. And we're going to discover that. Okay. Okay. Because I think the reason I ask that is because I think there are sometimes this, um, I guess the two extremes that most people would run to on this. Either we people assume that um, God is against those with money and he wants us, you know, all to be poor, or... On the other hand, 
There are those who believe that in, in what they call the prosperity gospel, you name it and claim it, and uh, that God wants everybody to be rich, right? So, which is kind of weird, isn't it, that you've got people, people who are Christians believe in the same Bible, some of which say God wants us all to be rich, and others who say God wants us all to be poor. I don't think I don't think that there is I don't think the Bible goes to either of those extremes in terms of its message to the world. So why would you say having, you know, talked about the the wealth of, you know, certain individuals um at the end of time what is it how could we say that you know God is not against wealthy people? Well, we'll discover in scripture that uh, there are wealthy people who are godly people in the Bible, people like Abraham, uh, people like David, uh, people like... Um, Solomon. Solomon, yeah, godly person. And uh, and in the New Joseph Testament... Joseph of Arimathea. Yeah, I was going to mention Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus in the New Testament. And then you have uh, people who are poor, very, very poor, like the shepherds, like the, the woman with the two mites yep. in the story of, of Jesus there in the Gospels. Joseph who are and Mary. Also, yeah, Joseph and Mary, very poor. And so you have on, on, both, on both sides of the spectrum, both wealthy and poor people who are God-fearing individuals. And at the same time, you have wealthy that, that have chosen not to follow God and poor who have chosen not to follow God. So it's not so much whether you have a lot or whether you have a little bit, but where your heart is and what your attitude is. And that's what we're going to look at um, a little later on as we go along. So the issue isn't uh, God loves the ones who have a lot or God loves the ones who have a little bit. The, the, the issue is where is the heart? And yeah. that is the, that, that's the key issue. Yeah. Okay, Danny, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull this back a little bit and you can um, you know, come back uh, with, with some other things in relation to what you've spoken to about already. But obviously um, with the coronavirus crisis has come an economic impact, okay? And so we've, um, we're aware that, uh, you know, life came to a standstill at one point it seems like we're in a, a an easing process at the moment where you know certain amount of activity is taking place but certainly nothing like it was before coronavirus and so many businesses are still shut down many people are still uh, not going to work or they've been put out of work we know uh, unemployment queues have grown uh, since the pandemic began and of course the the government has been um, spending money like there's no tomorrow in terms of its stimulus packages. Um, and we just wanted to talk about how that relates also to what the Bible has to say, because we've talked about the disparity between rich and poor. But it seems that there's going to be some kind of economic crisis before Jesus returns. Um, and we'll talk about um, a Bible verse, in fact, Maybe I'll turn there now. Yeah, and as you're turning there, Pete, I think that we need to we need to be mindful that the Bible talks about uh, a worldwide crisis on many fronts. Yeah, that's uh, right. We've looked at we've looked at the social implications of coronavirus and and what's to come. We're going to be looking at the environment um, yep. in a, in, a, in a few future episode and health and so forth in the economy. So when it comes to when it comes to these end time crises. 
uh, they will all climax. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. Together. So we, yes. Now, you mentioned this before, I think, when we were looking at some of the signs of the times, where you have this convergence uh, and a, a uh, an increase in intensity and in frequency of various, like those labour pains that, like we those labour pains in, in uh, those of, of the natural disaster. But there's, like you said, there's a many many aspects of life that are heading towards that critical point if you like it's just that this coronavirus seems to tap into all the important areas of life into family health yeah you know our livelihood um even our lives so well it's all been impacted. It certainly got the world's attention and we spoke before about the fact that uh, scientists were concerned about the, where the world was headed before coronavirus hit right That's so right. so um, we've talked about that before i don't want to repeat ourselves on that point but in revelation chapter 18 verse 17 this is talking about events just prior to the end of the world just prior to the return of christ and uh, in revelation 18 and verse 17 we read this for in one hour such great riches came to nothing Okay, and there's a whole host of other things in that passage, but I just want to reread that again. For in one hour, such great riches came to nothing. And so here you've got several aspects. You've got the shortness of the time, one hour, right? It's saying in a very short period of time at the end, in a short period of time. So we're talking prophetic time here. Well, yes. Be- I, you know, when it says one hour... Uh, not, I, not, I don't, not, not a literal hour, not like yeah, a literal 60 minutes. I don't think... A, revelations in symbols. So yes, we need to unpack what those symbols mean. But I don't, I don't want to get into the, the literalness of this particular no. time period. What I'm saying is if I say, you know, you've got one hour to live, uh, we might not be measuring the minutes, but what you know is that that's short time. That's right. Um, a, bit, a bit like what Jesus said to Peter. When he found him sleeping, could you not watch even one hour? It's not like he yeah. was saying, I had my clock yeah, yeah. going and you were asleep for 60 yeah. minutes or so. Yeah, uh, we're, we're talking short space but of time. We're talking a short space of time at the end of time. And it says great riches come to nothing. So there is a dramatic change in a short period of time. There's a dramatic change in the value of great riches. Well, that's what we read in James chapter 5 because yeah. it says your, your gold and your silver is corroded. Yeah. And so, well, what I want to do, Danny, I just want to look at a couple of things here that we have seen. Now, what we want to make, I guess, clear is that we are not saying that the end is going to be next week, right? And we're not saying that the coronavirus economic uh, situation is the end. No, but what we are saying is it demonstrates to us the fragility of the economy it demonstrates the um, the fact that it can change rapidly and it can change dramatically in a short period of time. That's what we have witnessed mm. in these last three months. So, for instance, this was a, um, a, a headline in March when the coronavirus was really starting to take effect and people were beginning to see what the implications were going to be. And ABC News reported on, uh, I think it was 18th of March, uh, the ASX, which is the uh, Australian uh, Stock Exchange, po- uh, 200 post biggest fall on record. Reserve Bank flags further measures amid coronavirus fears. So that was one um, headline at that time. And then the Guardian newspaper was talking about Australia, uh, saying Australia likely to experience largest economic downturn since the Great Depression. So the point is what we've seen with coronavirus, because we don't... Um, 
you know, this is not going to be Earth's final crisis. Uh, unfortunately, we wish it was, uh, but there are going to be other things uh, that, that we'll talk about in, in future programs in terms of the other prophetic implications of this. Um, but what we have seen is that things can change rapidly, things can change dramatically, and uh, such, rich, such great riches can come to nothing in a short space of time. And it's interesting because Revelation 18, the entire chapter, is, is focused on the economic downfall of our world as we know it. The yep. economic order, and not just once. You mentioned that one hour, but in, on three occasions in Revelation 18, it mentions one hour. Yes. It mentions it in verse 10, for in one hour your judgment has come. And uh, final time in verse 19, it says, for in one hour she is made desolate. Yep. Uh, this system called Babylon. Yep. And we're going to unpack what that is you know, on, on another occasion. Well, that really ties in with something we said a couple of weeks ago when we were reading from... Um for First Thessalonians chapter 5, where it says when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction comes. In other words, the, the, um, the last events of world history from a biblical point of view come about in a rapid uh, succession. They come suddenly. They come suddenly. And, and as they, birth pains as upon birth a pregnant pains, woman. Exactly right. And that's what the Bible says. Yeah. And they escalate. Um, very, very quickly. So that's what we're seeing because really in, in a matter of two months, uh, we have seen changes such as we have not witnessed in our lifetime. That's right. And it's interesting just here in Australia, let's, let's just talk about what's happened in Australia. In Australia, in the past two months, in the months of, of March and April, according to the news headlines that, that I have been exposed to, uh, more than one million Australians have been put out of work. That's, a, that's an enormous amount. We've, we've got about 13 million people in the workforce, and that's 1 million people. And I looked at, there was this interesting statistic um, put out by Roy Morgan, uh, a well-known financial um, institution. And according to Roy Morgan, 2.16 million Australians are out of work, and a further 1.3 million have had their hours reduced. So yeah. you're looking at these two groups that consist of 25% of the Australian potential workforce. That's, mm -hmm. that's an incredible amount. That's one in four Australians. So this is, this is unprecedented in our lifetime. And as you pointed out, it's, it's an escalation such as we have not seen. Yeah, and I think that, you know, realistically speaking, we haven't seen the effects of that biting yet. Uh, I think, you know, as the next month to six months roll by you will you will see the effects of that uh start to bite a little more we're going to uh take a break for a little bit more music in a moment but um when we uh, come back we also want to look at what the bible says about our relationship to money and uh why that matters we're going to be listening to a song by chris rice oh love that will not let me go Fuller be 
lost all my way. I yield my flickering torch to thee. My heart restores its borrowed ray. That in thy sunshine's blaze, its day may brighter fairer be. Me through pain, I cannot close my heart to thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain and feel the promises not vain that morn shall tearless be. My head, I dare not ask to fly from thee. I lay in dust life's glory dead, and from the ground there blossoms rest. Life that shall endless peace. Life that shall endless peace. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM and particularly this is the afternoon show on a Wednesday with Danny and Peter and we are looking up. Our program is called Looking Looking Up and um, we have been talking about the financial implications of the coronavirus and how that relates to Bible prophecy. We're going to get into that in just a moment. If you do have a comment or a question that you would like uh, to share with us, you can call in on 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-324-843. Or you can text in your comments and questions on 0491-064-669. So, Danny, we were talking about the uh, disparity there in James that it talks about in the last days, you've heaped up treasure in the last days by exploiting the poor. We talked about that. We talked about the fact that in such uh, in one hour, such great riches came to nothing. That's predicted in Revelation. So that's something that uh, the Bible predicts. There's um, another passage in Revelation that we want to take a brief look at because what are we're talking about how those financial implications um affect us from a biblical prophetic point of view right um how is that going to play in i just want to um maybe before i read this bible verse which is in revelation 13 and we're going to read i think verse 17 16 and 17 yeah okay 16 and 17 before i do that i'm just going to read this headline which is the sydney morning herald from april 8 and uh it says the coronavirus will accelerate the trend toward a cashless society. Now, I'm sure that you have noticed, as have I, that uh, most people aren't taking cash these days. 
Or reluctant to do so. Or reluctant to do so, okay? So, it, you know, most of the time people were paying electronically before coronavirus, right? We were heading in that direction. You know, we were using less and less cash. We still have cash, but it, we were using less and less of it. Um, but since coronavirus, of course, many people are saying, you know, it's just safer, contactless pay- payments and so forth. Um, and so we're sort of heading in that direction. And this um, Sydney Morning Herald uh, news article is, is identifying that it's accelerating the trend towards a cashless society. Now, why does that matter? Well, uh, there's a passage in the scripture, and we're going to read that now, and that is uh, Revelation 13. And we'll read uh, verses 16 and 17, as you've suggested there, Danny. I just need to mention that this passage, in Revelation 13, you have two great powers who come together, they unite uh, in an attempt to control the way the world worships at the end of time. We'll unpack some of that maybe in a future program. But these verses I want to pick up, it says, He causes all, both small, this is Revelation thirteen sixteen. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark of the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now here this predicts a point at which the powers that be, the powers depicted in this chapter, will be able to determine whether somebody buys or sells as you know, in, in determining whether or not they have this mark that is spoken of. So now you think about how easy it is to do that if it is all electronic payment that we're making. Absolutely. And we've got to remember these words were written 2,000 years ago yep. by John. And this was unthinkable back in his day because they obviously didn't have uh, credit cards and, uh, and a cashless system to tap into back then. People were trading in goods and in um, not even dollars and cents, as we would call it. They were trading in, in gold coins and silver coins and so forth. Um, very, very different to what we're experiencing today. But as you pointed out, the Bible says there would come a day, there would come a day when it would be possible to control the buying and selling of every single planet on earth. And for the first time in human history, we live in that day. We live in that day, whether it be here in Australia or whether it be in India. And mm. it's really it's really fascinating that in India, uh, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the tracing app. Am I... Can well, I, eventually, yeah, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Because but, there's some interesting implications about buying and selling well, of course. regarding that that come from India. But well, I'll let, let you... Me throw, let me throw this in. You may remember this because uh, last year, well, about 18 months ago, uh, well, probably a little less than 18 months ago, you and I took a, another study trip to the uh, Middle East. That's right. And you may remember that we landed in Egypt and we were at the airport in Egypt, in Cairo, in fact, and uh, I, want, I thought, you know, I'll, I'll buy something from the little kiosk there. We were waiting for another flight. I think we'd flown into Cairo. We were about to fly down to Luxor. And I went to the kiosk there, tried to pay something with my credit card, and my credit card had been cancelled. And, uh, and that was pretty... And you're thinking, here I am in the Middle East, and I've got no credit card. And I know that and we were with a, a small group of people, about a dozen people, and uh, I remembered that I was staying on for one night longer than the rest of the team. And uh, I was going to have to find the money to pay for that night's accommodation, which I had not yet paid for. And there's my credit card disappeared. And so, you know, the challenge of trying to pay for things when you don't have electronic means. 
Yeah, and uh, and we've gone one step further now. Um, we've gone from dollars and cents to, to plastic to, to a phone. I mean, I don't yeah. use a phone to, to make purchases, but I know a lot of the younger generation do. They don't even believe in credit cards. That's like ancient to them. You're so, showing your age, Danny. What do you mean the younger so they generation? Just, I they consider just, myself to be part of the younger generation. So do you use quite your frankly. phone? Pete, do you use your phone to pay for things? Uh, uh, no, 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 I don't think I don't. you do. <laughs> I don't think you're there yet, mate. <laughs> but um, our kids probably will. Yeah, yeah our, our kids sure. will probably utilize that. But an interesting story that comes out of um, India India also working on a tracing app yep. to, to deal with the coronavirus. Sure. I mean, there's, there's, there's 1.3 billion people there and they went into lockdown yeah. literally in a matter of four hours. The government said at 8 p.m. we're going into lockdown at midnight. So they had four hours uh, to get their lives um, sorted under this new normal. Imagine that four if, hours. If that actually happened, that would have to be a miracle because <laughs> so, I've been to India and there are a lot of people there. No, and it was really sad actually um, because you've got you've got these migrant workers that live in the villages yeah. and they had to make their way back to their villages because they were out of work now um, in their factories or or job sites or cleaning or, sure. or housekeeping, whatever they were doing. And literally some of these uh, poor migrants, they weren't able to get on trains because they shut down the train system at midnight and so people had to make their way home by foot and so you've got migrants there was a, a a documentary on i think it was on foreign correspondent or four corners i can't remember which one on abc and showing these poor migrants with their families walking up to 1200 kilometers on the mm. road to mm. get home because the trains weren't working but anyway back to the tracing the app. tracing app the tracing app yeah the tracing app so the indian government at first they they made it um they made it uh, voluntary whether you would tap into that tracing app like here in australia currently it's voluntary the government's certainly urging and encouraging people to download the app but it's still voluntary it's not mandatory but then they changed their tune in india and they said that if you are a public servant or a private uh, worker in, in the workforce in order to, to continue your role at your particular workplace, you must get the tracing app. And as I thought about that, I thought about Revelation 13, that, um, you know, unless you have this mark of the beast, uh, unless you have this, uh, we're going to talk about what that is. We're not going to unpack we, yeah, that now. It's going to be a government endorsed that's right. And it's worldwide. Yeah, this is going to be worldwide. Right. Well, that's that, right. that's going to affect the rich and the poor. You won't be able to buy and sell. Yep. And so we have that today. And we have countries putting sanctions on other countries. We've got countries putting sanctions on individuals or on companies. And so we have that already in place. Let me just um, butt in there because people might say, hey, the tracing app, is that the mark of the beast? And therefore, you know, do we avoid the tracing app because it's the mark of the beast? I want to insert something here because we're talking about this in Revelation 13 and what is the mark of the beast. We'll unpack that in another program. But what's important in Revelation 13 is to understand that the crisis in the end times from a biblical point of view will be over who we worship. And that's, that's right. important. It's not about so much the financial aspects, although financial pressure will be brought to bear upon those who don't cooperate. But it will be about who, what, and when you worship. And we just want to make that clear, throw that out there so that people are, are clear. You know, the mark of the beast is not a barcode. It's not um, a, a tracing app. It's not a tattoo on the forehead. It's uh, not any external. Correct. And item. so, uh, but, and, and people say, well, well, what is it? And we will unpack that in a, a future program. But in terms of the way in which the, fi you know, the finances will be affected, it's easy to see 
with the, the, the move towards the cashless society, it's easy to see how that could be implemented. What the tracing app, um, I guess, uh, does is it enables uh, the government to know where we are, which in this current crisis is not necessarily a bad thing. It's um, just a case of the fact that, you know, I'm going to read this uh, little piece from ABC News, for instance. On the first day when they released the tracing uh, app, it says Australian government's coronavirus tracing app, COVID Safe, downloaded one million times. It took five hours for Australians to download the COVID Safe app at a rate that the government expected would take five days. So, in other words, people adopted this pretty quickly, or a lot of people did. And, um, you know, I think that that's not something, you know, I don't have the tracing app myself, but it's not something that I would make an issue over. You know, I think it's it's quite possible that people uh, could download that. That's not going to be the um, the mark of the beast. That's right? not the mark of the beast. Once again... But, it, the- but what I'm saying is, it is it does uh, develop, I guess, a pattern of behaviour, a reliance on electronic um, finance, a reliance on, uh, you know, the government regulation. And I think it's easier to see how the events of Revelation 13 could be played out in that scenario. And the bottom line is uh, Revelation 13 is in the context of what we read um, the last time we were together in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3, where it says, and when they say peace and safety, uh, we're going to be looking at a world that is falling apart. Uh, there will be solutions that will be put forward. And uh, part of that solution will be we all need to get on board this train. Yeah. And uh, those who don't want to be part of the solution of of supposedly, you know, getting this world back on track, they will not be able to buy and sell. So that's how it's kind of going to be couched. And yeah. Just like the tracing app. The tracing well, you can app- understand it. Like there are certain, you know, before the COVID-19 crisis, from time to time you'd see areas of the world that were in, quotes, a state of emergency. Um, but really the whole world is in a state of emergency at the moment. And you can see that uh, such a state will exist right at the end. That's right. Um, so we're going to unpack a little bit more on Revelation yeah. as we go along. But that's just that's just helping our listeners to know oh. what the Bible has to say from a prophetic point of view Indeed. when it comes to dollars and cents, finances and the economy. I just wanted to throw this in there, in here, in terms of uh, the way in which uh, the uh, technology is leaping ahead. In fact, we as a human race, I think we're struggling to keep up with the abilities of uh, technology and artificial intelligence and all of that. And I just wanted to share that uh, they had they. I, I was reading this about uh, the doubling of knowledge. Now this was re- this was incredible. See, now, I, when you, I, I, when you I, was, said, I couldn't believe it. I just could not believe. It. When you talk to me about eight people, you know, having as much wealth as half the population of the world, that is an incredible stat. But I wanted to share this: the doubling of knowledge, because when you read it, you think. No, that can't be right, can it? Well, back in um, 1900, okay, 120 years ago, back in the year 1900, they estimated that every 100 years, knowledge was doubling on planet Earth. So people were discovering new things. They were building on the knowledge of the past, and they estimated that every 100 years, knowledge was doubling. By the time they got to 1945... Now, this is the, uh, the atomic era because, you, you know, you have uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki and the atomic bomb and so forth. They reckon that by 1945, every 25 years, knowledge was doubling. 
Then you come to uh, 1982 and you, you're starting to see more and more computers being used to um, accelerate knowledge. In 1982, they estimated that knowledge doubled every 13 months. Mm-hmm. And they're estimating that in 2020, wow. I think that's this year, isn't it? Okay, hold on to your seats, folks. I think hold that's on this year. To your seats. Check this out. This in is- year 2020, they believe that knowledge will be doubling every 12 hours. Hours. That is that is absolutely mind-boggling. Are you telling me that knowledge is doubling every twelve hours? Not even every well, twenty-four I would say, hours. I would I, I would hazard <laughs> to say that your knowledge is not doubling every twelve hours. However, not even close. Knowledge in the world is doubling every twelve hours. They wow. reckon by twenty twenty. So, the you know that's an incredible stat, and it allows for you know a greater. Um, changes in society i suppose we're going to go to some more music i think we need to take a, a couple of minutes break so we're going to be listening to Derry doherty all to jesus i surrender
Derry Doherty, All to Jesus I Surrender. You're back with us on Faith FM and you're listening to Looking Up with me, Peter Watts, and my co-host and good friend, Danny Malenkov. We've been talking about um, the economic implications of the COVID-19 crisis, particularly how it relates to Bible prophecy and how it relates to other things that the, the Bible says generally about money. You know, Danny, that Jesus said a lot more about money than most people imagine. That's right. Yeah, a lot of people uh, are surprised that Jesus spends so much time talking about money. But we really shouldn't be surprised because, you know, the old song, money makes the world go round. <laughs> and I think of that song from Abba, you know, money, money. Quit singing right there. Quit singing right there. I'm so tempted to just really branch I'll, out. I'll put in a request for your karaoke. <laughs> But anyway, the, Jesus had a lot to say about money, and it's um, and it's fascinating to to take a look at what he said regarding our attitude toward money, because that's really the big deal. That's really the important issue. So we've already established that God doesn't love rich people more than he loves poor people. God loves all people, and God has faithful people who are wealthy. God has faithful people who are very poor. Yeah. And so we, we, we need to take a look at what Jesus said as far as where our focus needs to be when it comes to dollars and cents, when it comes to our financial investments and, and where we invest our time and our resources and our energies. And so there's some there's some powerful scriptures on that which we're going to get to. But before that, you were telling me of this crazy, amazing this true, true story. story. Another true story. Truth is stranger than fiction, i got to tell you. No, <laughs> All right, folks. There was a story in, in America. It was an American newspaper um, where they, um, in fact, uh, in the States, they had this story about an Australian and a New Zealander who had gone to the States on a kind of working holiday, I guess. And they were in Vail, Colorado in the US of A. They were staying there and they, for whatever reason, they decided to hold up the local bank. Okay, and so this Australian, uh, one was 19, the other 20 years of age. One's in New Zealand, one's Australian, and, and they nicknamed this, these, these couple of guys who held up this bank. They got caught the next day. They held up the bank, they got caught the next day, and they nicknamed them Dumb and Dumber. Now, our audience can work out whether it was a New Zealander or the Australian was the dumber one. We'll find out. We can, I guess it depends what your, what your, uh, what your, nationality, what your nationality is. is. But anyway, they called them dumber or dumber. And then the reason was they, they went into the bank, they held up the bank. They had um, BB guns like air guns, like air pistols, um, to hold up this bank. And they were these two guys were known in the town they didn't disguise their accents and they did wear hoods, but they had their name tags on from the place where they worked. <laughs> Are you serious? I am serious. And so that the, 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 uh, the police were easily able to go to their address the next day and, and, and capture them. And they'd actually taken uh, pictures on their phones of them holding the cash. You know, Selfies. So, yeah. 
So, so it was just so so amazing. They nicknamed them Dumber Dumber. And the point was this. The point that I take out of that is, would you steal from someone if you knew you were being watched? You know, and the implication of that is there's an actual question in the Bible in the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi 3, verse 8. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Here's the question, and it, and it's God He's asking the question. He's saying, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And then he goes on to talk about in tithes and offerings. And we're not going to get into the specifics of tithes, uh, particularly it means a tenth. But the point was that God had given them some principles about giving. And we might wonder about this. You know, uh, people are probably going to think, now now here it comes, they're going to make a big appeal for money. And uh, we only need $3 million, folks, just send it in. No, we're, we're not going to be making a big appeal for money. But sometimes Christians get a bad reputation because they're constantly asking for money or, or what have you. Uh, and people wonder, you know, is, is God short of cash? You know, how is it that, that the church keeps asking for money? Why, why is it that God would ask us to give? Doesn't he, uh, you know, doesn't he have a whole universe? You know, why would he need anything from us? And uh, I think it's, it's a great question and it's something that we, we want to explore because it's part and parcel, I think, of our um, attitude towards money. And maybe I'll, I'll just insert this right here and then you can come, come back at me with, with your thoughts. And uh, I think the reason God asks us to give, I think he wants to teach us how to give. Because if you look at the character of God, the character of God is that God is a great giver. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And the Bible says in First John uh, 3, verse 1, I think it is, Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. And so through and through the Bible, it talks about God giving. And uh, that's his nature and that's his character. And he wants to teach us how to give. And so he puts principles in the Bible to teach us how to give. You know, as a, a human race, Danny, we don't need any lessons on how to take you know, I've said this before sometimes, you know, you put two kids across a table and then you put five jelly beans in the middle and you say, there you go, boys, share. And, uh, you know, you, you and I both know that it's very rare indeed for, for one of those boys to say, you have the extra jelly bean. No, 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 you have the extra jelly bean. In fact, no, no, you have all five. No, no, you have all five. Now, they'll be squabbling about who gets the spare jelly bean, right? Because we know how to take, but we don't really know too well how to give. We're, we're, we find it more difficult how to give. And so God puts principles in the Bible to help us learn how to give and how to share that which we have. Exactly right. And uh, like you said, God has given us principles in order to develop our attitude in order to develop our characters. And I can relate to that. There hasn't been a parent on the planet that has had to teach their child how to be selfish, how to snatch, um, how to yeah, how to think of themselves rather than their sibling or yeah. their friend. So yeah, it's sadly within our DNA, selfishness, hoarding. I mean, we saw 
Well, we saw that full well um, just uh, a, a few weeks ago. That's right. People hoarding, yeah. people squabbling having, over squabbling toilet paper, over toilet paper and, and, and so on and so on. So that's part of human nature. Yeah, but I, I want to take a look at what Jesus really focused on when it came to um, what really matters, because we all know, we all know that putting bread on the table is important. A practical need. It's a practical need. And Jesus addressed these practical needs in the context of what is really valuable and what we ought to be seeking for first. And so I want to direct our, uh, our time and our attention now to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And here Jesus uh, zeroes in and focuses on what really is important when it comes to, when it comes to the things of this world and the things that we need. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 19. So this is Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. This is from that Sermon on the Mount, that famous Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And then he goes on and he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus here very clearly is saying is, don't focus on storing up treasure here on this earth. Because here on this earth, sooner or later, it's going to come to an end. You know Instead, that- focus on storing treasure in heaven because he wants our hearts to be in heaven. And he goes on and talks about the practicalities he's of really what we need. Ta- Yeah, he's really talking about making investments that are going to last and we're not talking about last a couple of weeks or a couple of years. He's talking about investment that will last forever. You know, when he talks there about um, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroys. You know, we live in a world where we are used to everything dying. You know, it, it, whatever it is, whether it's your car or your refrigerator or your lawnmower, everything dies on you and you have to get another one. We had to get a new washing machine just the other day, two days ago, we had to get another one. Yeah, and so so we're used to that. And look, we've talked about, like you say, Danny, there are necessities in life that that we each need, right? And Jesus talked about that. He's going to talk about that some more in this passage, I know. But, um, But yes, it's basically... You know, sometimes some people, we're focused on our empire here, but we're not thinking of the kingdom there. And um, I think what God is basically saying is get your priorities right and I will care for the needs that you have. Yeah, I like what Jesus says, um, you know, further on. We won't take the time to read the, the entire passage there, but Jesus talks about how he cares about the birds how much more will he not care for you? Yeah. Um, then he sort of sums all that up. He says, therefore, in verse 31, do not worry about what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear. Okay. These are the absolute essentials of life. You know, what we yeah. eat, what we drink and what we wear. Yeah. You, you, Protection you, from the elements. You, you can't go by past these three basic necessities in life. Yeah. For he says, for after all these things, the Gentiles seek, or in other words, those who... Everybody needs them. Yeah, everybody needs them. Yeah. And um, the focus of those that don't put their faith and trust in God is on the things of this world. Sure. But he says, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And then verse 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. So that what we eat, what we drink, what we wear, even our housing... 
All these things shall be added unto you. Mm. So there's so much in that verse. That's a beautiful verse of scripture. I really like that in verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. What I take away from that verse, Danny, is that it seems to me once you understand Jesus' teaching, what he is saying is I want you to care for others because I will care for you. You see see that? In other words, if God really is our Father, we need to be able to put our trust in him. Now, that doesn't mean that you, go, you know, don't go to work. You just sit on, on the couch, put your feet up and say, God's going to take care of me. Um, no, we, we, you know, the Bible says a workman is worthy of his wages, right? Uh, it also says if a man doesn't work, then he shall not eat. Um, so, you know, the, we have to be willing workers. But the point is that we need not worry. There's a difference between working to earn a living to put bread on the table and, the, and worrying about where the provisions are going to come from. And I think God is saying, you don't have to worry because I'm your father. I will you know, care for you and I want you to think about caring for others. It's interesting that Jesus spoke of, uh, of a wealthy man that put his faith and trust in himself, in his own riches. And mm. you can read about that in, in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 to 21. We haven't got time to well, read. Well, unpa- unpack that story quickly. Yeah, I will. In Luke 12, um, there, <clears throat> this individual, he, he builds barns and they're not big enough. To, take to on store board. all of his grain. <laughs> and so he says, I'm going to build bigger barns. And then, and then he goes to sleep after he's built the bigger barns. And he says, you know, rest my soul for you have, you know, plenty. Treasure invested. laid up for the future. Exactly. And then and there's a voice that he hears. And this is all like in a parable. Yeah. A voice that he hears that tonight your, your life, soul will be, your yeah, life will be taken away from you. Yeah. And so the point of Jesus is, you know, what's the point of investing so much time and energy, blood, sweat and tears in the things of this world that perish, putting your faith and trust in the things of this world and not putting your faith and trust in the heavenly father, in the things of God's kingdom, which will last forever. And so Jesus, once again, is seeking to direct our, our minds and our attention to the things of eternity, because they are the realities, because really this world, this world is a... Fading away. It's fading away, and this life is a blip on the radar compared to eternity. Yeah, and we're going to talk about the fact that this world is fading away in next week's program too when we talk about environment. But we're going to take a short break again now. We're going to listen to some more music. We have Power to Redeem. We hope that you'll enjoy this song.
child of God Lift your eyes to see With every morning light Again we are redeemed Rejoice, O child of God Lift your eyes to see With every morning light Again we are redeemed Oh, with bread that brings the dead to life The words that pierce the dark with light Only by the blood are we set free With mercy shown to carry shame And nail it to a tree You alone hold the power to redeem Oh, you alone hold the power to redeem Oh, you alone hold the power to
protected and leading Don't be heeding these lies proceeding through every direction you're leading It's you who knows the truth and the meaning of life So we're protected and leaning on you Fall down in the light, in the blinding light We're back here on Looking Up on Faith FM with my good friend Danny Milenkov and myself, Peter Watts. We've been looking at the coronavirus crisis, the implications of that and how it relates to what the Bible has to say about the end time and how we live our lives as Christians. And we've been talking in this particular um, program today about uh, the economics, the economic impact of coronavirus and uh, what the Bible has to say about finances at the end of time and also we've we've been talking just before the break about our relationship to wealth our relationship to possessions and that kind of thing and i just want to lead into something here when when god first made mankind back in the garden of eden in genesis we're told that um god told them to be fruitful and multiply to fill the earth and subdue it uh, that it would be to bring it under their control and have dominion over the fish of the earth, the birds of the air and the, the living things and so forth. So God gave them dominion. Now, God it was who made the earth, but he gave mankind the dominion over it. Uh, there's a, they, as a, a verse in Psalm 24, 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and, the full, and, it, and all its fullness. In other words, the world belongs to God. And that would even include the money in my pocket, and people might say, well, how can the money in my pocket belong to God too? Um, in Deuteronomy 8.18, this is a verse I'll, I will read out. It says, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Mm. Now, that's interesting. God gives you power to get wealth. And we've said before, Danny, that whether you're rich or poor, God isn't against you for being rich or for being poor. But uh, he gives you power to get wealth, apparently that he may establish his covenant which he swore to you uh, to your fathers as it is this day. In other words, I think it's about um, our attitude towards God actually more than it is about our attitude towards money. If we have the right attitude towards God, he will inform our attitude towards wealth and, and other things. Uh, we, were, we had a question come in actually. He was talking about, you know, if Jesus is coming soon, um, should we just uh, give up, you know, trust in the Lord and, and not attempt to, to continue to, to get wealth? Uh, as it says in this verse, it gives you power to, give, to get wealth. Uh, what, what would we say to, to such persons? How do people plan for the future if there is no future? I think the important thing that Jesus was trying to share when it, came, when it comes to our, our wealth and, and our treasure was encouraging us to focus on that which was most important that 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 which was at the very heart of of who we are and what we are and where we are focused on uh, once again i want to reiterate that scripture that jesus shared for where your treasure is that's where your heart will be mm -hmm. so if our heart is with christ uh, we we don't need to worry we don't need to worry whether we have got a lot of money 
or we've got a little bit of money. We don't need to worry because our focus is on Jesus. Our focus is on his soon return. And we are looking forward to his soon return. And as Christians, we're not concerned about how much money we're going to take with us. Because the Bible is very clear. We're not going to take anything with us. So what we want to do today is we want to live today. And someone, if I can just back up on this, someone said that with when, when it comes to our attitude and how we live life, we need to, we need to plan like Jesus is coming in 10 years, 20 years or in 100 years. But we need to be able to live today as if he's coming today. Yeah. I think that's an important point um, because we do have to, we don't know the day or the hour. We expressed that when we were talking about the signs of the times. Jesus himself said that, no man knoweth the day or the hour. Um, and whilst the signs are all telling us that Jesus is coming soon, we do not know precisely when that is. And so we, we, we should continue to, you know, imagine from a missionary point of view, if we uh, stopped our activities because we think Jesus is coming, say, next year. Um, you know, if if the disciples thought, thought that Jesus was coming back so soon that they'd never left Jerusalem, uh, you know, we, we would never have the gospel spread around the world. So I think you're right that we have to plan for uh, the future. So there's nothing wrong with planning for your retirement. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing wrong with um, saving, buying a house, taking out a mortgage. Nothing wrong with any of these so things. So long as you plan for your ultimate retirement. Exactly. And so I think... And it's maybe some people might see it as simplistic, but really the bottom line is if Christ is front and center in our hearts and in our lives, then everything will flow out of that. You can be a, a, a very wealthy person and you have Jesus in your life. And because you have Jesus in your life, you have his character that you're seeking to emulate. And what did Jesus do when he was on, here on this earth? He came, he said, the son of man hasn't come to be served, but to serve others. Mm. The son of man has come to bless others. So your attitude will be one of seeking to bless others. So if you're a multimillionaire, you will seek to use those multi-millions or, or possibly billions. If you're one of the 2,000 odd billionaires in the world, if you have Jesus in your heart, and if you're seeking to store up treasure in heaven, you will seek for your business or businesses to be a blessing to a multitude of people. And there are there are some very wealthy people in the world yep. who do a whole heap of good for sure. Um, who who bless so many people um, through their through their generosity through their means. Absolutely, and so it's it's where your heart is, and when your heart is in the right place. Everything flows out of that. The fruit is very clear and very abundant. Yeah, uh, I think you're right, Danny, because, you know, we've said before there are many wealthy individuals. One of them that we didn't mention was Job, of course. Job was a very wealthy man. Um, and, of course, uh, he, he uh, was attacked by the devil um, and who tried to separate him from God. So Job was a very wealthy, successful man, but he also had a very strong uh, connection with God. And I think that's uh, really what we're trying to emphasize in all of this. All these individuals in the Bible that were wealthy and that had faith in God, they all have one thing in common, and that is God was at the very center of their lives. And Job, here's a good example. You mentioned him, and when he lost everything, he lost all of his wealth, literally, literally in one hour. We spoke mm. about uh, that that prophetic time in Revelation 18 in one hour. You know, the, the world's wealth will come to nothing. Literally yeah. in, in an hour, in a, uh, Job's wealth came to nothing. And at the end of that, he was able to say, the Lord gives... 
and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he worshipped God in spite in, of his situation. In spite of his, um, in spite of his bankruptcy, he worshipped God when he was on top of the mountain, and he worshipped God when he had lost it all. You know what's and that, interesting? And that tells me that his attitude and his heart was with God. You know what's interesting about that story is, is Job didn't fully understand what was happening to him. And he said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes it away. Of course, it wasn't the Lord that it took it away. It wasn't the Lord that did it, no. And that's important to understand. But Job didn't understand that at that point. But he knew God well enough that he wasn't going to let go of his grip on God, regardless of the circumstances around him. Now, there are some other uh, things that the, the Bible talks about in the New Testament in relation to wealth and to money. And, you, you know, if you've got a verse there, you want well, to share? Well, I think it's important. Um, we're, we're talking about attitude. We're talking about where our heart is. And I think... Uh, the Apostle Paul, for me, really sums it up. And uh, whether you have a lot or whether you have a little bit, something that is absolutely important. And if you have this, you will be, you'll be a very satisfied individual. I was about to use that word that the Apostle Paul used, but I won't because I want to read from what the Apostle Paul says. And uh, Where are we is, reading from? I'm then? reading from Philippians okay. chapter 4, and this is towards the end of his life. And by the way, uh, the book of Philippians... Paul is writing while he's in prison. So okay. this is one of those prison epistles, and he's writing to the believers in Philippi. And this is what he shares There's with them. There's a lot of important things that are written when people are in prison. You know, <laughs> it really focuses the mind. It really does indeed. So um, this is from Philippians chapter 4, and I'm going to pick it up in verse 10. This is towards the end of his letter to the believers in Philippi, there in Greece, and he writes, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Then he goes on in verse 11. Now that I not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Wow. Mm. Paul had learned, no matter whether he was rich or whether he was poor, that he was... Whether he was free... Or whether he was in prison, in prison to be content. He goes on. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And then he finishes off with these famous words. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm. And so the Apostle Paul really sums it up here. And for me, this is really my motto. Uh, regardless of how much uh, I may have in the bank or don't have in the bank, I have made a decision that in whatever state I find myself in, if I have Christ in my heart, I don't have any fear. I don't have any anxiety. I can be content knowing that he's in control. He controls the universe. He's in control of this world. Yeah. Surely he can be in control of my life. Sure. And I like how someone put it, in order for contentment to be lived, it first and foremost needs to be learned. Okay. It needs to be learned before it can be lived. And mm. why is that? Because we live in a world that is filled with discontent. Yeah. Uh, we are born and we talked about this earlier, we are born not content. Mm. Uh, we always want more. And uh, we want to keep up with the Joneses and so on and so forth. Now I'm talking about broadly, uh, broadly speaking here. Not everyone's in that same boat. But we, by nature, in our DNA, we, we have this desire uh, to, to have more or to grow and so on. And there's nothing bad in and of itself wanting to, wanting to excel, wanting to do better. 
everything good about that, especially when it comes to wanting to bless more people. And we've talked about sure. that. But it's about being content in whatever state you are because, because you know who is in your heart and who is in your life. You know, I think uh, a lot of what you have to say there, it's, it's about value. Uh, I think that uh, sometimes we are, are motivated to get more because we think that by getting more, we, we become more valuable as people. Whereas I think if we recognize our value in Christ, if we have a sense of how much God mm. values us as a human being individually, um, then then we we can be content, and then yes, we can make uh, make money and bless others, or we can you know whether we are impoverished, we can still know that we are blessed of God and that we are, I guess, uh, valued by God. That's the point I would say. Whether you're rich or poor, God doesn't value you any differently. And it's interesting, you know, we're talking about you know you, we we all know that if you have great wealth, you can bless many people, you can build hospitals and educational centers and so on and so forth but i think of mother Teresa. Mm. she's one of my heroes uh, she really had nothing um she she was uh, very poor however look how many people she blessed yeah um just through her selfless love uh, and service i've been to her of orphanage have you in calcutta yeah. yeah i've been to the country that she was born in macedonia yeah, okay. okay there you <laughs> in go in the capital there scorpio well, there you go that, that, that's our name <laughs> dropping for the day um i'm just going to refer to you know you were talking about philippians and paul talking about great contentment paul also wrote uh, a letter to timothy and you find that in the new testament in first timothy 6 6 to 8 i wanted to read these uh words which are in line with his comments about contentment that you found there in Philippians. It says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be uh, content. And he goes on and talks about uh, the love of money. And I think maybe it's worthy of saying something along these lines, because some, some people say, the love of, uh, sorry, some people say money is the root of all yeah, evil. Yeah, that's how they read that scripture. That's how they say, that's how they remember it. Money yeah. is the root of all evil. But actually the Bible says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Mm. Okay. And I think that's the important point here is, what do you love? Do you love God or do you love money? And it doesn't mean that you can't be wealthy. But what it does mean is your attitude towards that wealth is going to be measured or it's going to be, uh, let's say, um, influenced by your um, attitude towards That's God. like that saying I was sharing with you earlier, Peter, um, where someone compared money to manure. Mm. Uh, money like manure, if you heap it in one place, it stinks like crazy. But if you spread it around, it does a whole heap of good. And so that's the point that we're trying to make. Yeah. Uh, our wealth and whether we've got a lot or a little bit, let's use it for yeah. God's honor and glory and um, I think, in order to bless others yeah. and become more like Christ who lived his life to bless others. Yeah, and I think that's really important from the perspective that we have to realize that most of us who live in Australia, compared to the rest of the world, we are the wealthy. We are, yes. You know, and so that's, that's you know, why we would uh, be, be interested in saying that too. All right, in Matthew sixteen twenty six, here's a verse I wanted to share. It says, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's 
getting the priorities right, putting first things first. Um, you know, there's a, a, another verse in Luke 12 to 15 that says, Jesus was talking, he says, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of things mm. he possesses. I don't know if you've, uh, you know, it is, uh, there was a book, and I was going to bring this illustration, maybe I'll bring it in next week or whatever. There was a book written, I think, about uh, 2005 called Affluenza, and it says, um, I think the subtitle was, When Too Much is never enough. Mm. And uh, I think all too often we've suffered from affluenza. Well, I think, Danny, we're probably coming to the end of... We're getting uh, near to the end. Are we coming near to the end? The the end is nigh. Uh, (laughs) I think that's what we would want to say. I just want to read a verse from Luke 21, verse 28, in closing, Danny. We've talked about this before. It says, Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near we hope that people will continue to look up thanks for listening today we're going to be back next week god bless and keep looking up